Welcome to Curious Psalms, the podcast where we practice reading and praying this wonderful prayer book of God's people. I'm your host, Matt, and joining me today to talk about Psalm 57 is once again our friend Amy Langle. In this episode, we talk about the fact that David is singing in the cave, singing in the darkness. We talk about bargaining with God, our temptation to bargaining with God, and the distinct lack of bargaining with God in this psalm, as well as a whole lot more. I hope you enjoyed this conversation that I had with Amy. To get us started, here's Amy reading Psalm 57. Have mercy on me, my God, have mercy on me. For in you I take refuge. I will take refuge in the shadow of your wings until the disaster has passed. I cry out to God most high, to God, who vindicates me. He sends from heaven and saves me, rebuking those who hotly pursue me. God sends forth his love and his faithfulness. I am in the midst of lions. I am forced to dwell among ravenous beasts, men whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. They spread a net for my feet. I was bowed down in distress. They dug a pit in my path, but they have fallen into it themselves. My heart, O God, is steadfast. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make music. Awake my soul. Awake, harp and lyre. I will awaken the dawn. I will praise you, Lord, amongst the nations. I will sing of you amongst the people. For great is your love reaching to the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. Amy, welcome back to Curious Psalms. Thank you, Matt. I have two comments. First, My first comment is you're really becoming a veteran, a podcast veteran <laughs> here at Granite Springs. You're on the Christmas episode of Curious Church. This is your fourth Curious Psalms. Is that right? Yes, it's my fourth. So that's one comment. So it's good to have a veteran in the room, <laughs> especially on a day where I'm like, I'm feeling a little lethargic. We were just talking about, we're recording this right before Christmas. That's right. Uh, so I'm glad to have someone who's who's been to this rodeo before who can carry us through an episode. My second comment is, how do you find the word faithfulness hard to say? Faithfulness. I feel like... Fa- no, but you know what? I realized I said sword instead of sword. <laughs> So for anyone who's listening, I know the word is sword, <laughs> but I said sword. <laughs> in the, I feel like just in the last year, faithfulness has become very hard for me to say. I find myself tripping on it almost every time. Just in your speech or, yeah, or I feel in like, life? Like, I feel like, like I do this Is weird... it a metaphor for something? <laughs> well, I hope not. I hope not. But like when I lead a prayer on Sunday mornings or something, it's a word we use frequently because it's such a beautiful, rich word that describes mm-hmm. God and describes the kinds of people we're called to be. But I'll be like, faith, <laughs> like it's that THF. Like I just, and every time I'm like, I don't think that was right. I don't, every time. So anyway, you read it very beautifully, but well, I read that and I was like, I hope I don't have to say that word on this podcast. Now, now I've let the cat out of the bag. Faithfulness. You said it so casually. <laughs> I... I don't know if that's a word. I, I struggle with other words, but oh, man. I'm not sure if that is the exact like sword. word. Like sword. <laughs> I do know it. it is sword. And I, I actually didn't know if it was liar or leer. I think it's liar, but I could be wrong. But let's be wrong together. 
So. For those of you who want to correct us, 1-800-GRANITE-SPRINGS. <laughs> wow, that would be amazing if we had that number. <laughs> that would be a very long number. Uh, good luck getting through. Yeah, right. Well, shall we just dive in? Enough about my linguistic difficulties. Let's dive into our questions. Okay. Amy, what stood out to you in reading the psalm? So a few things, actually. And mm-hmm. there's there's three different verses that stood out to me the most. And I... I asked Matt if he strategically asked me to read this psalm. Number one, I feel like it is just, it's an easier psalm for me to interpretate, but I also think it's super relatable for a lot of us. And so he he said that he does not, he do, <laughs> does not assign people certain psalms. I did not read this psalm and think, oh, Amy needs this psalm. <laughs> <laughs> so... The fact that David and I use I, I use the word as being hunted, and I don't know if that's like actually the right the right term to it's use, but I, it felt to me yeah. like it would just be pure panic. Mm-hmm. You know, here is Saul wanting him dead, and you know he's the king, so he has all these people that are on his side after David, mm-hmm. and David goes and he hides in this cave, which is very dark. And he, like, breaks out into song, really. I mean, right. I don't know. The, the way that I'm reading it is that he sings out for mercy and for God to shelter him. In verse 1, I take refuge in the shadow of your wings until the, the disaster has passed. This time, I mean, I know David's made mistakes in the past, but he hasn't done anything wrong here, right? Right. And so he is being faithful <laughs> to God in his faithfulness to God. Okay, that's just rubbing it in now. <laughs> <laughs> so even though he has people after him, even though he is in the dark, yeah, he starts to to sing the you know, and verse seven and eight, my heart, oh God, is steadfast. My heart mm. is steadfast. I will sing and make music. Awake my soul, awake, harp and lyre. I will awaken the dawn. I mean, he found the fact that he is faithful to God and he took that and he was able to start praising him and start asking for help. Yeah. But in a in a positive way. Yeah. Instead of, you know, oh here I am and these guys are after me. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I wasn't there, but I do, you know, th- that's how I'm reading the psalm. Mm-hmm. So that that is what stood out to me. Yeah, that's wonderful, Amy. I think there is a sense in Psalm 57. I talked with Kevin about Psalm 56 and the enemies are in Psalm 56 as well. Mm-hmm. David's being hunted there. In fact, there's this language of hot pursuit in Psalm 56 early on. And in fact, the opening words of 56 and 57 are the same. So there's a lot of overlap, but I feel with you like there's something tonally about Psalm 57 that is kind of triumphant, that is asking, but asking with like such an expectation that it is as if it already happened, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. And so there's kind of a tonal shift in Psalm 57 where, yeah, David seems to have a particular, whether it's insight in the moment, whether it's going back and tinkering with a psalm that he penned initially in the cave, whatever the case might be. I was struck by just how as I looked at this psalm, it has all like these kind of different chunks and different sections. So there's kind of verse one and two, verse one through three, which are this sort of initial cry and mm-hmm. God's response. Then there's verse four, which is kind of naming 
the danger and these mm-hmm. people. Then there's verse five, which is this refrain, kind of be exalted, O God, above the heavens. It's almost a zoom out. It's looking at the big thing. There's verse six, which is kind of the doom of his enemies. Then there's verses seven through 10, which are this singing and this proclaiming. And then verse 11 returns to this refrain. It kind of felt to me like it was it's super visual. The mm-hmm. images that he uses are really evocative. He talks about, you know, the, these lions, these ravenous beasts, who then we find out right. are men whose teeth are spears and arrows. Uh, I just thought this is this would make for the trippiest music video. <laughs> <laughs> this, this was initially what stood out to me. I was like, there's so many images. There's the refuge in, in my wings. Can't you imagine this as like an almost psychedelic kind of music video flashing between these metaphorical images? I don't think that was David's intention, to be clear, but it is what stood out to me. I was like, there's so many metaphors and there's such movement and like it's like a montage or something of David's deliverance. So that that was my way <laughs> into the song. <laughs> so um, a little I'm like diversing here, but as you know, I'm reading the Bible and Yes, you're back yes, on the podcast after your yes. your previous declaration and you've come you've come through. Yes, and I'm and my husband Heath is reading the Bible with me and we're doing it online and or you know like an audio. And today, this morning, I was asking him, you know, oh, you know, we have our Bible study this morning and this is we we roughly around 5 5 30 in the morning we do this over coffee holy moly and um and it's been it's been wonderful but today i kind of panicked i'm thinking oh my gosh like i really need to to really review the psalm again and i sat down at the table and he had it the psalm 57 up on his phone which was very nice and so we listened to it together and then we discussed it and we talked about it and the funny part is is that after it was all done and i was feeling you know, a little confident. He said, you know what, when Matt asked you, like, what stood out, you should just say, man, this this guy, he was in a cave and it was dark and he's just singing. Like, what is going on? (laughs) (laughs) So I don't know if I can exactly do it that way. But that is exactly how I felt. I mean, I felt like there's just three verses in the beginning where it's like this plea for help, right? Yeah, right. And then it there's a shift. And my answer to to your second question, I don't know if we're ready to go into that, but my whole thing was that it's it's almost like verse five for me, it turns into a song of praise. Hmm. Well, let, let's go there. Our second okay. question is, what do we learn about God from the psalm? So why uh-huh. don't you just keep following that thread? Okay. So I just feel like the psalm is a great example of trust and faith. Mm. And around verse five, let's see, be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. I felt like to me, that is where it shifts. Mm. And it almost turns into like this, like I said, song of praise. Yeah. And so I don't know. I I I mean the the ultimate relationship with God is having trust in him and having faith in him, especially when we are in our darkest day. However, however, I do feel like this Psalm is such a huge reminder of, of like, don't, don't only sing God's praise when you're having a good day. Mm. 
sing his praise when you're having a bad day too. Because, when you're in the cave. I mean, yeah, a lot of us, if I were in this cave, if I was David, I would be negotiating with God. I would be <laughs> sitting there and I would be begging and pleading and telling him all the things that I was going to change in my life and do better hmm. if he could just please save me. But David didn't do that. He was just praising God. I mean, he was he already had that relationship with him and trusted in him. It has faith in him as far as how I'm interpreting this. Am yeah. I, am I reading that correctly? Well, definitely. I mean, I, when you talk about negotiating, that's really interesting to think about. I think there are times in the Psalms where there's maybe not full on negotiating like we think, but there is sort of, if you deliver me, then I will proclaim, you know, your name. I will teach the generations that come. That comes up occasionally in the Psalms, but there's not really sort of, the yeah. Psalmist almost never bargains with God like mm -hmm. we might tend to be. Right. Yeah. Like if you save me, then bargain all the time. I'll, give, I'll up my tithe to 15 percent. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, you really don't see that. David is just confident. I mean, that ties in with what I was thinking about is, you know, in verse three, God sends forth his love and his faithfulness. Mm -hmm. David knows to anticipate this. But this reminded me of what Kevin preached about just in this past Advent when he was talking about God's wrath. He talked about and forgive me, I can't remember whose definition he was drawing on, but God's wrath is sort of the counterpoint to God's love. Because here, God's love and faithfulness for David looks like the rebuke of his enemies. In other words, they, mm. they go together. And when I thought about what do we learn about God from this psalm, I thought, yeah, we, we want to separate out or pit these things against each other. But in this case, really, God's rebuke, his deliverance of a person out of his love and faithfulness looks like essentially the destruction right. of the enemies, uh, wrath being poured out in some way. And I was just thinking like how significant it is for us to remember that. And also the reminder that, I mean, this goes back to conversations we've had about Psalms and enemies, or I've had about Psalms and enemies from the beginning is there can be a tendency to read ourselves as the hero. So we are always going to be the beneficiaries of God's right. love and faithfulness. But sometimes, in fact, we might be the people who receive the rebuke. We're recording this right before Christmas. So for a morning prayer this morning, we were reading Mary's song in Luke chapter one. And her whole thing is, my, my soul glorifies the Lord, for he has been mindful of me in my humble state. And you read and it's it, the, God raises up the lowly and he fills the hungry and, you know, the rich are brought low. I'm like, well, I'm not really in a <laughs> humble state compared to the world. I am incredibly rich. Like I am the powerful person in yeah. the world. Like, like that, that song is a beautiful picture of what God, it ought probably to make me a little uneasy, yeah. <laughs> you know? And so just as I was thinking about what this Psalm teaches me about God is, I mean, I think it draws me into a posture of further humility, right? Recognizing kind of my own positions right. of power and is a reminder that, you know, God's rebuke is not far from his love. Like they are one and the same. And his love for others may sometimes mean a rebuke of me. And sometimes his love for me means a rebuke of others. But the dynamic way that those two play together, I was just reminded sure. of that in this psalm. That's a good reminder. I think it's hard to see it in the moment at times for, for sure for a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, most people, I think. So it's well, a we, good reminder. And it's it's quite fair, I think, because we are we occupy our own stories. Right. Right. And it can be so hard. I mean... For as much as we might learn or educate ourselves or travel or visit, mm -hmm. we still, at the end of the day, only really know 
fully what it's like to be ourselves in our own contexts. But I think the Bible is really always inviting us to have broader perspective and to take on God's perspective too sure. of ourselves and our world. So anyway, that, that's going far afield. Maybe we should turn to our third question. How does this psalm help us to pray? Well, I mean, I've touched on it a little bit, but I feel like even in our darkest time, have faith and thank God for what's to come. Like what's in front of you. The psalm reminds us not to only praise God on our good days, but also our bad days. You know, there's there's times when, you know, I, I, I'm feeling low or blue and, you know, I'll turn to prayer. And the first thing I think of is, you know, if you can get me out of this, then I'll do this. Or, yeah, I, yeah. you know, I promise to do this. Or, I, you know, any of that. And it it's a reminder to me of giving thanks and, you know, thank you for what is about to come, like what you have in store for me, things mm. in the future rather than just being in the moment. Hmm. And I feel like David was able to look forward instead of just being in the present, you know, with in hiding, Yeah, you know, in a cave. Right. Yeah, there's a sense in which David David's gratitude sort of prevents him from wallowing. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so, yeah, I love what you're saying about kind of the gift of... Do you know how many people could benefit from that? <laughs> well, I think all of us. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of us out there that was, could benefit from that. Yeah, I was just having a conversation with someone the other day where I confessed to them, I kind of like wallowing. <laughs> I'm a bit of a wallower. I don't even know if that's a word. Easier to say than faithful. Wallower. So, yeah, totally. I love that, Amy. I'm going to make you a t-shirt. I'm, I'm a, <laughs> a wallower. wallower. I like to wallow. I'm a wallower. Uh, one, one additional thought that I had about how this psalm helps us to pray is, you know, the opening line, this NIV translates it, have mercy on me, my God, have mercy on me. And I was just thinking about what mercy means here in this context and what mm -hmm. that prayer actually is for, because... David isn't experiencing the judgment of God by all accounts. Uh, right. He is in the right in this case. <laughs> he's in the wrong in other cases in his life, but sure. he's in the right in this case. So he's not experiencing the judgment of God. So it's not an asking for God to deliver him from judgment. I was thinking of like we used to play this game. This is like a really sadistic game, but in grade school called Mercy, where you would interlock hands with another opponent and then you would try to twist and like bend their wrists. Oh my! Until you until the opponent like your opponent said Mercy or you said Mercy and gave up. It's not quite. It's not quite like that. It's not quite that vision. Like where again God is inflicting pain on him. But there's something about David has a sense of God is so involved in every part of his life, including as you said these moments in the cave. Yeah. Uh, that he needs that he's asking for an experience of God inter intersecting with what's going on right. in his life to kind of enter the chaos of the cave, so to speak. And that that's the cry for mercy. So I think that as a prayer, as a reminder of God's desire and willingness to intersect and interact and engage with the daily parts of our lives, I thought that was just a really good reminder in yeah. terms of yeah what we bring to God and the invitation to pray that this psalm holds so that's good insight amy any final words on psalm 57 i i i enjoyed it and i would like to say that because i have started to read the bible yeah i actually 
can I it it's uh, more relatable to me. Oh, fascinating! Yeah, the, some nice. of the themes and things maybe yeah. resonate a little bit more naturally. Yeah. Yep. Well, there you go. Pretty soon we're gonna have like a read through the Bible with Amy Club. <laughs> right. I think. Maybe next year we'll launch well, that. We'll see. Well, thanks for joining me, Amy. Always, Thank you for having me. Always a pleasure to get to chat with you about some psalms. Let's conclude with the refrain from this psalm. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. Friends, go out and pray the psalms. Faithful, faithful. See, I, I still can't say it. Faithful. Faith, faithful. 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 I like when people say charcuterie. They, they can't say it. A lot of people can't. Like, they struggle with that.